to another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar, and the Star Tribune's Andrew Kramer inside TCO Performance Center. How are you, Andrew? Doing well. Always good to be on with you, Matt. We are back from the bye week. It's not back to school for us, like no. Mike Zimmer said of his <laughs> players. We got here and we were at 100% covering a Sunday night football game mode. There was no messing around <laughs> in the media room. Not with us. We're focused. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there was no um, kind of rust to knock off. It was funny. I, I like Mike Zimmer talking about that and saying that it sounded like Grandpa Zim a little bit. I had to rein him in, you know. I had to kind of bang the ruler on the on the desk table or whatever and say, hey, pay attention, Christian Derisaw. <laughs> Kids these <laughs> days in their bye weeks and the internet. The, the, right. The, you know, it, uh, There's streaming devices. It, it is always funny uh, because you'll hear this all the time of like, they had two weeks to prepare. And you're like, what'd you guys do in the bye? Like, well, I went on vacation. <laughs> I watched a Netflix show, played with my dog. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I think the reason teams play better off the bye is because they're healthy. And and think about it. Dak Prescott might not have even played if this game was last week. They get Lyle Collins back. I don't know if Michael Gallup's status, but I think they're elevating him off IR at some point here. And, and this Vikings team is largely healthy going into this game. Yeah, it, the, one of the best signs they had from their last game was the way Dalvin Cook looked. And and Dalvin said it himself today. He said, if, if we had to play after that game, I would have been fine. I didn't feel that bad after the game. Um, that is the biggest thing, is when this offense has a healthy Dalvin Cook, and then you give him that extra week on top of it for to rest. Um, it's, it's great news for them. And you're right. When you look across this team, outside of Patrick Peterson and um, obviously Irv Smith at the beginning of the year, they're not missing too many pieces right now and – if you can get Michael Pierce back for this game against Ezekiel Elliott, that's going to be huge. Yeah, we'll find out later today when we go out there for practice if he's out there. And I, I would guess that his status is still kind of be, uh, going to be up in the air, but they didn't IR him. Yeah. So that means that it is possible. So I've got a game for you to play, but I want to ask you first before we get into this, and I'm very excited about it. As soon as I came up with the idea, I was like, Andrew, Andrew has to come on to play this game uh, because it's a question I get all the time. So I'll, I'll break it down in just a second. But let me ask you first so I don't forget to ask you at the end. Do you think the Vikings are going to win this football game against the Cowboys? I don't. And I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm pessimistic because of everything we've seen in this team. And it's as perplexing to us in the media core as I think it is to fans sometimes. There's a lot of reaction from fans of like, what is this team? Are they 5-1 and one or are they 1-5? and five? And it's like, well, they're obviously neither. They're, they're a 500 team. They're just, I think they're a collection of strong talent that's not a good team right now. Mike Zimmer talks about it with the offensive penalties, the holding calls. Um, you can just see them in critical moments. One phase lets them down. And I need to, you would have liked to have seen them through that, what seemed like an easier stretch of their schedule, the Detroit Carolina stretch specifically, you'd like to have seen them put together complete games and they didn't do it. They had to scratch and claw against those bad teams. So I think this team's talented enough to be in all of these games that we look at. But do I say, do I have confidence in the critical moments that they're going to win them? No, I don't. And I think that Dallas defense is playing too good right now. That Dallas offense is the same as it's always been, which is phenomenal. And now they're number one in the league in like everything. Um, no, I don't. So I, I've gone back and forth on this, even so much as to predict different things on different shows. So, so <laughs> sure. that's, that's I like how, that. That's how it goes. You just, just throw, I'll throw them all out there. And then, you know what? Whichever one happens, you point back and go, hey, I called it. Uh, sorry, I don't cover the NFL draft on Twitter, <laughs> Andrew. Hey, yo. Uh, so, but. Um, Really, I have gone back and forth. Oh. One of the reasons that I think that they can win is because Dallas likes to play a single high defense, 
And I think that when the Vikings are going, and especially what they did against Carolina playing single high in the second half when they were running bootlegs and moving the pocket, it just works. It's always worked. When teams, if they are playing single high and they're not stopping Delvin Cook still, we saw this in 2019, you get one-on-one matchups on the outside, and Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson can take advantage. In the bootlegs, they can find these deep developing routes. And what we saw in the second half of the Carolina game was they were doing a lot more of the play action rollouts. It was like Gary showed up and called the second half. <laughs> I mean, it really yep. was. It looked yep. very much like a traditional Gary Kubiak offense after the blocked punt. Like Zimmer called up to the booth and said, get Gary on the phone. He's calling these plays. But I think that that might work. And I think that yeah. Dallas, too, has relied so much on turnovers that I, I'm not convinced that on a play-to-play basis they are going to stop this offense. But, I mean, your points are all valid, and that's why I think this is yeah. a, a tight one, a hard one to predict. Yeah, you're right. And I am very interested to see how how do, does their play-action game with those deep crossers that work seem to work so well against cover three schemes, Dan Quinn being in Dallas, all that. I'm very interested to see how that plays out. We've seen this team, though. I think Cincinnati was a very man-heavy team, right? And and like to play like that. And the Vikings should have won that game, but they didn't. And that's that's just the theme of this team is like, I, I believe they'll be in this game. But do I have the confidence that they're going to pull it out right now? I just don't. Yeah, the thing that I go back the other way on is Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, and that offensive line. That even if Michael Pierce is in there, when he was in there, opponents were still running really effectively against them. And Dallas is averaging, what, like 180 yards rushing a game? Yeah. And, and this is one of the poorest run defenses in the league. In fact, if Carolina had just run the ball more early in the game instead of having Sam Darnold throw interceptions and fumble all over the place, like Carolina might have done the same thing even without Christian McCaffrey because they were still getting four or five yards to carry. Uh, that is the part where I think, gosh, are they even going to let the Vikings on the field throughout this game with their offense. Yeah, and like a lot of the attention might go to, well, you got Cameron Dancer replacing Patrick Peterson, but really as you're talking about, they paid to to stop an opponent like Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard in that offensive line. They paid Michael Pierce. They paid they kept Anthony Barr. They paid Dalvin Tomlinson. Like this is what you paid for was to go up and force Dak Prescott into third and long and at least make it easier on Cameron Dancer. And if they don't do that, yeah, it's gonna be a long day. Yeah, and that's the other thing about Dak Prescott too is their whole strategy, like the Zimmer belief on defense, which is ironic because they do this to themselves on offense all the time, is if we get you in third down and long, we're going to win more often than you will. And just statistically speaking, like it's usually like three out of ten for the opposing offense that they convert in those situations. Dak Prescott just changes that formula, though, and their receivers change that formula. Like They're good enough to where you could get them in third and long all day, and they might convert it because they're that good. And he's a playmaker, so even if you fool him off of the initial read, which Zimmer's defenses do all the time, it might not matter. And uh, I think that the imperfections have been covered up by bad quarterback play, and they might be revealed again because Burrow played well, and Kyler Murray played really well and made a couple of mistakes that that game could have been a blowout if not for Murray mistakes. Yeah, I think we're both feeling like this could be like one of those 40 to 35 games. Like it's, just, it's just high scoring regardless, even though it's at U.S. Bank Stadium because I don't have a ton of confidence in Dantzler being out there. And then, yeah, there's there's fair questions about this front and, and uh, whether or not they can stop that running game. Okay, before we play our game, this is the most exciting game since what? Most exciting game for the Vikings since, oh, man. Um, I I think opening last year in 2020 because you just didn't know what it was going to look like. Now, by the time that game got going, by halftime, really, when Cameron Dancer got beat by MVS on a 40-yard touchdown, you realized, oh, okay, this is going to be Rodgers throwing all over. But 
Um, I guess 2019 uh, playoff game uh, in New Orleans. This this is because you know that this Vikings team is talented enough to be in this game. It's just a question of like that New Orleans game. Can they do it? And in that game, they did. And I I don't. I'm not going to sit here and put my money on them doing it in this game because of how talented Dallas is. But this is going to be fun because U.S. Bank. This is what the, that stadium was really built for when it's at its best. Is when it's a nationally televised night game. Um, yeah, I just this is going to be one of the best atmospheres of the whole season. I was going to say San Francisco in part mm. because there was like a black cloud hanging over that New Orleans game that everyone could be fired. Sure. And so yeah. there was more like anxiety than excitement about yeah. it. You know what I mean? For a playoff yep. game of going there and hearing from people in the stadium of like, you know, this this could be, be big changes if this doesn't work out. Like then they went to San Francisco and I really thought, they could do this against San Francisco. And of course, you know, I was very wrong about that, but I, I really yeah. thought like, man, this is again, another single high team and Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't really trust him. Um, but you know, that was another one. And this is always your fear about that is if the defensive line dominates your offensive line, the Vikings do not have any answer to that. And I don't know. I don't know if Dallas's defensive line is that good if they can do that. So yeah, if Randy Gregory and, and what they got going on can do it. I don't know either. San Francisco's a great point. You're right. I did kind of forget that vibe going into the New Orleans game, and I guess I'd written them off in San Francisco and wasn't too shocked by that 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 situation. But um, yeah, that team, that team. I just think that team 2019 was better than this team, and and I think the defense and special teams is a big part of that. Yeah, the defense outside of really Xavier Rhodes who struggled all that year uh, was better than what we've seen so far. Uh, Okay. Now here's the game every week, Friday mailbag. People ask me who's going to be here next year is cousins going to be here. Is it Zimmer? Is it Spielman? Would they change coaches, but not front office? Would they change quarterbacks, but not coaches? And on, it's a very common question. So I have created what I want to call the magic Johnson game. Okay. If you've ever seen uh, the Magic Johnson gif on Twitter where he says, I ain't going to be here. Um, Magic Johnson just randomly quit the Los Angeles Lakers, walked out in front of the media without telling anyone else in the organization and said, I ain't going to be here. And so this is called Who's Going to Be Here? The Magic Johnson game. All right, so I have 10 names, and we are going to count them down where we vote people onto the 2022 island. So this okay. is not Survivor where we vote them off. We vote them on to the island in attempts to answer this question of who's going to be here. So let me give you the list, and you can play along at home. Okay, we have Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins, Rick Spielman, of course, uh, Patrick Peterson, Daniil Hunter, Anthony Barr, Delvin Cook, Garrett Bradbury, Clint Kubiak, and Adam Thielen. This is the list. I went through the roster and thought, like, who would have a possibility? Now, of course, there are people who are very uh, likely to be here 2022, but that's the game. So I'm going to let's see if I take the first pick. Does that give you the last pick? Um, is that how that works? Yes. I, yeah, OK, it should right, yes. add it up. So I'll, I'll take the first pick of voting who will be here in okay. the year 2022. 
and I will take Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook will be here in the year 2022. He is voted on to <laughs> He's safe. the 2022 <laughs> island. Okay. What's the, the noise? Like, do 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 the noise. Yeah, okay. So after every pick, we'll do that. We need, like, the draft, like, da 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 You know, like, when you make a draft pick? Oh, yeah, That kind of, like, little jingle. Do-do-do-do-do. The selection is in. We've added them onto our island. Um, That's a good one. And I guess the only one I would have put ahead of him and the one I'm going to take here is Daniil Hunter. Just because I think whichever coach is making that decision or GM for that instance, like let's say this goes south and I don't want to ruin who might or might not be on the island. But these two guys certainly seem like the most coach or GM proof. Like you're going to want them on your team regardless of who you are, whether or not you are the one who signed them to that deal. So Daniil Hunter, number two. Okay, I will take uh, um, (laughs) Adam Thielen will be on this football team in 2022. The only reason I might have picked Thielen ahead of Hunter Mm -hmm. is that Hunter has been marvelous. But there's a contract situation, Mm -hmm. and there's also a neck. And at any time, tweaks may happen. And, and and so, you know, the fact that Thielen is playing terrific and yep. he doesn't have any long-term injuries or anything that could un- unravel this that we know of, I probably would have picked him ahead of Hunter. But you're right that whoever is in charge, and I guess we'll determine that as we go forward here, <laughs> whomever is in charge will be keeping uh, Daniel Hunter. So on to your pick of voting people on to the 2022 Island. Um, <laughs> I would have to go because you bring up contract, certainly with Daniil. For that reason, I think Kirk Cousins almost, ha- almost has to wow. be here. No, almost, ha- almost has to. Who? All right, I know you've been on the I'm record. I'm shocked by this. I know you've been on the record and I've seen it. You're on the record as saying that I, I believe this is you I've seen on Twitter being out there and saying, look, somebody would take Kirk's contract, would take him. If you really pushed it out there and said, hey, we're going to move on from this guy. I just don't think the Vikings are going to do that. And, and it's part of me is, is because I think Spielman is also coming on this island with him. I don't know about Mike. But if I had to pick one of the leadership positions to be there, I think it's Rick, which is why I think the guy whom he signed to two big contract extensions will still be here next year. I don't know if it's on a new deal, but I know it's at least on the last year of this old deal where it's so much guaranteed money and such a big cap hit that I don't know how they move on from it. And I don't know who would take a one-year rental of Kirk at that rate. I really don't. I think this is a stunning pick in part because the whole game is designed for it to come down to the final three. <laughs> oh, no. And you have blown up this game <laughs> oh, early no. on. No, Br- Bradbury's not here. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, but let me just address this shocking pick. I mean, this is <laughs> this is like when they would have... I don't have, think Bar's here either. When, when they would have um, like a Survivor post-game yep. show and they would talk about like, oh, I was so stunned <laughs> when Richard did this. Uh this was this is my stunning moment. They would be doing like the one shot on me, and I'd be like, I just I what what was Andrew doing? Uh, okay, so here's here's the thing about Kirk Cousins though, is when you look around the league and you look at the shortage of quarterback uh, safe teams, if sure. you will, that are set. Talk about have their own 2022 island. I mean, there's a lot. Like, what are the Houston Texans doing at quarterback going forward? I have no idea. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers? This Are the Steelers not like a classic Kirk team to play defense? Roethlisberger retires because he can't move or throw or do stuff. I, I mean, that's just like two examples that come to the top of my head. The Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, if this draft is as weak as people say it is, I think there will be a lot of attention 
on Cousins. Now, that could be part of your argument as well. Yes. Yeah, then why would the Vikings could. say, let's join that sweepstakes of having nowhere to go? Because they will have gone 7-10 and 10 if that happens. Sure. If they go 7-10 and 10 and they fall apart in this next uh, set of games and they struggle, then, then there will be teams out there who say, trade him to us, we'll give him a three-year contract extension because we're ready to win now. And here's how I know this. The Vikings did it coming off of Kirk's worst year. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, Carson Wentz has been fine in Indianapolis, but he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. I leave this I leave this door open that if they don't win more than nine games or eight or nine uh, or nine plus and are in the playoffs, or if they win eight and they win in the play, if they don't win in the playoffs, I think they'll say different direction. And just to be clear, these are the guys who I – put below Kirk on my confidence rankings of putting on the island. It is left on your list. Zimmer, Spielman, Patrick Peterson, Barr, Bradbury, and Clint Kubi. There's a long way to go here. So those six, like those, I feel like those six though, you don't know because if they, if they can, I put cousins before Rick just because of the contract and my, I guess our, where we differ the most is the belief that any team is just going to raise their hand and say, yeah, we'll give you what you want for Kirk. I just don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I even look at Washington trading for Alex Smith, sure. where Alex Smith was sort of a, a better version of Kirk, right? And they still did that. Maybe. And, and gave him an extension. May, so. I'd argue that Kirk's playing better right now than Alex Smith. I know Alex Smith came off a really great year in Kansas City where they're 13-3 and three or something like that, and he, they eventually moved on from him, or maybe it was the year before he got, he got traded that they were 13-3. and three. But either way, I, I guess my – my thing is that Kirk is also playing very well for them right now. And if that stays that way, you're certainly not going to be looking to move on and, and kind of jump into that abyss of quarterback lists. And, and that's why the discussion is so interesting, yeah. because if he plays like this, he's on that island. Yeah. But if he doesn't play like this, I don't know that he can be. Yeah, maybe he's not the fourth. What, what are we on, number four? Maybe he's yeah. not number four out of ten if, yeah, we're in December and he's kind of self-destructed, as people fear. Okay, I'll make my next pick. Because now it gets tricky. <laughs> so I will say that now Garrett Bradbury was picked in 2019. So he has one year left on his contract. At this moment, he's not playing like a starter in the NFL. He's playing like a replacement level center. But I think that his draft status will just hold him over for one more year and he'll be on the 2022 Island. Now, there's a part of me that watched Mason Cole play sixth offensive <laughs> lineman that thought like, hey, does he? Can he do a thing? Uh, it's been a rough, rough ride. Uh, maybe even worse than last year. There has not been the progress that they hoped. So we'll see where that goes. But I still feel like rookie contract players are going to just stay because they were drafted in the first round. And everyone's always going to say, well, you know, all we need to do is this and this until the very end. So I'll vote Bradbury onto the 2022 Island. I'm surprised you're putting Bradbury on there before Rick Spielman. I think that... If they go seven and ten, it will be very Detroit Lions ish from last year. Mm. New coach, new GM, new quarterback in twenty twenty two. And you're and you're betting that on a it'd be a fifth year option for Bradbury, right? At that point, which is I don't think he's guaranteed yet. So it'd be like ten million dollars, I well, think. Well he would or be, no, is it he would be playing year? on the fourth year and they would oh, have to make the decision. They would not pick up his fifth year option. I'm oh, certain of that. Okay. Maybe I would have taken Bradbury fourth then. I had assumed that it was an unguaranteed like ten million for him next year. But you're right. That's, that's a, not that's, until twenty twenty three. That's the year after. Yeah. You're right. Yep. Yep. So, so I'll, I I'll take him there. I I put you know, I put some guys on to be like, okay, I think, but maybe there's a chance that it's not. So now your next pick gets really tough. Oh, that is really tough because yeah, we're looking at Spielman, Patrick Peterson, Zimmer. 
Clint Kubiak, and that's it, right? Oh, Barr. Barr. Yeah. Um, boy, because I don't think Barr's back, regardless of who's here, who's not. And if Clint's here, that probably means Zimmer's here. So, and I, I have much less confidence about this coaching. I have to, I have to pick Rick. I have to pick Rick because I think Patrick Peterson's stance on this team is tied to this coaching staff. Yeah. If you're, if you're a new coach coming in, why are you signing a 32 year old corner who just got hurt for the first time in his career? Um, so to me, I think it's Rick, I guess, because I think Barr, I think we kind of get the vibe that this is Barr's last year here and that Barr's kind of given that off a little bit of like, yep. I wanted my last run to not be what happened last year. Um, so there might be more money for Anthony out there elsewhere. Yeah, I have to say Rick because I think it's I think it's more likely that if they make a change and it's only one of the two that it's going to be the coaching staff that gets cleaned out. I think you've hit the right order because the quarterback has the most chance to be here even if they moved on from the sure. GM and coach yeah. uh, if they decided they didn't want to trade him or if the next GM and coach said, "Hey, let's let's get a look at him for a year." I don't know what they can do with this contract. I haven't looked into it yet. We'll do that in the offseason, but probably not much in terms of this big cap hit. Uh, But a new general manager and coach might come in and say, oh, no, we want to play with him. He's a top 10 quarterback, um, similar to, uh, I hate to bring this guy up, but John Gruden with Derek Carr, where it was like, no, I I want this guy. I know he could be a top 10 quarterback. I know we can win with him. Give me a chance and sign him to an extension and then – we're going to open it up offensively or whatever. You're hiring Kellen Moore for as your new head coach. Like, I think that's the right order that Zimmer would be the first one to not be here. And we'll see where he, I think I have to just vote him maybe next, but we'll see. Um, But I think that order is right. That Zimmer has the highest chance to have the other two here and him gone because a lot of the fingers will be pointed at Zimmer. Mm -hmm. If cousins plays extremely well, but the offense seems to still be held back. I mean, of the three, Spielman's roster has been pretty strong that they put together this year, and Cousins has played very well. I would say the coaching has been the weakest point of those three so far, which I didn't necessarily expect, but that that's how I would feel about it at this moment. Yeah, I was just describing this team as a talented one that's just not playing well together, and that's certainly would point toward being more on coaching, and that's though that goes back to the debates you and I and many people have had for years now about whether you want Rick making some certain key decisions like offensive line and quarterback. Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> although, you know, we'll see how Christian Darisaw plays out. If he gets two tackles right in the draft, then we might have to change that take a little. Um, but the next pick is, I think it is Zimmer for the next pick because I don't think there's a huge gap between the chances that the general manager and coach are here in 2022. If they win, they will be. And if they don't, they won't be. That's kind of the way that I look at it. Um, and I've always seen them as tied together at the hip. The chances are slightly higher that they make a coaching change that maybe, I don't know, late in the season or something to try to make it look like it was all Zimmer's fault. Spielman could yeah. say, like, let's blow them out in week 14 or something. But I don't, I think the way they've structured their contracts always together with the same number of years that says to me you're either making full regime change with both of those guys out totally new brass or you're sticking with them if it worked if you run through and you go three and one in this next section of games you make the playoffs at 11 and six or even 10 and seven you're probably saying this is working we're going to stay with it 
You know, what's interesting is you might have more, like if you're Rick, you, you might have more job security if you lose in a way where the offense looks good. With the defense. <laughs> right. right. Because like he's yeah. made major decisions in the first round, offensive line, quarterback, all that, the receivers. Um, I just think he's got a lot more invested in that side of the ball. And, and yeah, you would point to Mike Zimmer if things went south defensively. So you go Spielman, Zimmer, we got three more left with Barr, Peterson, and Clint. I guess in that order, I would have to go with my next pick. Number eight on the island would have to be Clint to follow in that kind of order because I think if Zimmer's here, it's obviously Clint's still here. He's 34 years old. He's the third youngest coordinator, I think, in football. He's not going to get a head coaching gig no matter how good this offense does in his first year. So if you're Mike and you're still here, you're going to want to keep that continuity with what Kirk does well, all that. I think Clint's the obvious one um, outside of Peterson and Barr left off the island. Yeah, I agree that one good year in your first year as an offensive coordinator, it worked for Stefanski, but I think he had a really great reputation yeah. that had been long built mm-hmm. from from the sort of day one thing of building himself up with this franchise. We do see that around the league sometimes. Somebody becomes the hot coordinator I don't know if people would look at Clint Kubiak and say that's him unless this offense goes nuts. So that's possible. But I also see, isn't it crazy that there seems to be equal chance? And this is why Clint was on the list. I thought this is a hard one to pick because there's equal chance that Clint struggles in the second half of the season and is not the offensive coordinator by week 16 (laughs) as there is him getting head coaching buzz because their offense has been great the whole rest of the way. Yep. And then we know, (laughs) we know, I think, I think internally they push back on the notion, well, Mike doesn't micromanage the offense. That's unfair to Zimmer, but we've heard from enough coordinators who used to work for him, what it's like working for him. And we certainly know that Mike has a clear vision of what he wants this offense to be. And every time we talk to Clint, he's saying something about how Zimmer helps him or Zimmer's influential in this way or another. It's just another way to say that he's got his fingers in this offense. And if it doesn't look the way he wants it to, I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case either, because Let's not forget, these first six weeks before he had a good game in, in Carolina, those first five weeks, I should say, it was pretty rocky for the offense and, and going through that Cleveland game, for instance, and then the end of the Detroit game. I mean, think about this. If they didn't go nuts in the second half of that game in Carolina, I mean, we are talking about could Rick Dennison get the jab and show up here and start <laughs> calling plays? I mean, right? Like, that. that is a very realistic possibility. I, I think that Zimmer was very upset about how they performed offensively against Detroit. Well, well, now, Matthew, I think it's more likely that, you know, I, I coached Gary. a guy about, about Terrell Davis that I think it's more likely Gary would have showed up at that point. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just back here trying to do a good job. I remember I had this quarterback, you know, by the name of John Elway. And, uh, you know, that's a good question that, uh, you know, we we uh, roommates, we were together and uh, we had a great time there in Denver. But, you know, I'm just trying to call the right plays. And, uh, you know, the players, the players make the plays. That's what it is. So. Zim would have gotten Clint with a little like Apple watch that was connected to Gary at all times. Like Gary, what would you call on this play? I don't know when I made this, like when it hit me about like Gary um, and his offense sort of showing up. I was just looking at looking for something specific in that Carolina game last night. And I was just like, oh, the boots, the boots, the boots are back. Where did they come from? He was even doing them out of the shotgun. You don't, you don't see, I don't think we even saw Gary do that uh, all, all too much, which I like that tendency breaker a little bit. It, it's not the uh, typical, because this offense, at least with the Vikings, has been around for three years now, or you know, three iterations from Gary to, to Kevin to Clint. And it's like it was about time somebody threw a different wrinkle in there a little bit than what they'd been doing. And isn't that the part about Kubiak, Clint, that you're like, 
what what happens there, man, mm-hmm. sometimes? Because in Arizona, I watched that game back and went, wow. Yeah. They got themselves a baller here, play caller. I mean, they were creative. There was a lot of different things they were doing. They were even mixing up some play actions off gap scheme, and mm-hmm. they were spreading it out, and they were doing different stuff. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it just like went ice cold. And you're like, what went on here in the, se- in the second yeah. halves of these games? And then this one, the second half, they go nuts. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's very difficult to put a finger on right. whether he'll be here. And I think it's right to at least open the door that he get fired like two weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's an offensive coordinator for the Vikings. You're right. That, that I feel like the odds, the odds set should be the same for, yeah, fired or also, on, you know, on fire next dot coordinator, next coach of the Washington football team or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Anything is possible, as KG said. Uh, okay, so we only have Peterson and Anthony Barr here left. And I am going to say... Patrick Peterson? Yeah, that's the direction I would go. I think Peterson might actually have a better chance just because if he plays well and he likes it here and Zimmer's here, I think he could stay. I mean, I think he's played all right, and there's some value in having him here with other players and his leadership, but he hasn't looked decrepit to me. Uh, And if he's going to age gracefully, they'll try to keep him around. Yeah, I think Patrick's been kind of – to me anyway, and, and coaches have said this a little bit about, he's, he seemed like he's been as advertised in the sense of great physical cover corner. But, you know, when when the Cardinals defensive coordinator, I can't remember who it is, Vance Joseph maybe, said something leading up to that game of like, now we have corners that can tackle. I see what he was talking about because Patrick's not the most physical um, tackling corner. You see teams throw at Bashar Breeland, but they run at Patrick Peterson. And, yeah. I, and I think that stands out a little bit. And But at the same time, Mike Zimmer's not going to kick a great cover corner to the curb. If Patrick play, comes back from this injury, plays well, Zimmer's still here. I absolutely see Patrick staying to his word of, I could see myself continuing the second half of my career under Mike Zimmer. And, and I just think it's much more likely that happens than Anthony Barr turns around and says, all right, I'll take whatever you want to give me from Minnesota. Someone somewhere, and, and this, this is my belief with Cousins, it's my belief with Anthony Barr, that someone somewhere will say, Anthony will pay you a lot more than they're going to sure. pay you. Yeah. The only way Barr is here, I think, is not only if Zimmer is here, but if he takes a serious pay reduction. And we've seen, the, there's always the end of the road for everybody, right? If there was an end of the road for Linval Joseph and Xavier Rhodes, then there's an end of the road for Anthony Barr with this team. And I, I think that probably comes at the end of this year. The other thing is the knee, even though he's been able to play these last couple of weeks and he gets a bye week to get healthy, it seems like this is a thing that's going to be a problem, maybe for the rest of his career. Yeah, and I had heard, and I don't know how much you can put into this, it's just guys talking, but I'd heard from people close to him that, I mean, there's a thought that maybe he might not play that much longer, like just in general, because of the knee stuff, right? And that's not necessarily coming, we haven't heard Anthony come out and say that, but it's just that thought of like if if it is chronic knee tendonitis or something like that like why do you want to keep fighting through that when you've you know had a good career four time pro bowler all that kind of stuff i know he's not even 30 yet but yeah there's just that thought of it too with his health and and it the way i see him coming back is if it's one of those things like with Griffin or some of these other guys where like the Vikings just know you best. And so it's where you're comfortable. And and if you get out there and you see the offers aren't what you thought they were going to be, maybe he ends up back, but you're right. I think he's a little too young at this point. There's going to be a team like the jets, for instance, who might want to throw some money at him like they did last time. It feels, and, and I haven't heard anything like totally fatalistic about the knee. It's just, you know, the signs, right? I mean, yeah. it's a big giant guy and, He's 
one week it's working and the next week it's not kind of thing. Like this is not a good sign for your future. It almost feels Bradford-ish as in like, can he grind it out for this year? Mm -hmm. Probably, but maybe you sign a contract somewhere else and like, I don't know, you play eight games for them and retire. That that's kind of what, what this feels like. You get old fast in the game. When I thought it was a telling answer, I think it might've been Courtney would asked him when we talked to him a couple weeks ago of like, just the direct question, like, is this tendonitis? And he said, I don't think that's important or something like that. And it's like, that's, that's about as a confirmation as you can get without confirming. I don't know. We're reading between the lines, but I just thought that said a lot about where that situation's at. Magic Johnson game. This will not be the last time we play because you know what? If like six weeks from now, we could play with the same list yeah, and see how different we feel about it. You shocked the world with an early Kirk Cousins pick. <laughs> um, and we'll see if just, you feel that way six weeks from now. I think it's that contract. I do. And yeah, we'll, we'll see that things can change quickly with Kirk as we found out. Uh, Andrew, thank you for your time. I'm glad that you came through in the game. Stunning picks. Excellent commentary. And I look forward to covering this game. Uh, so thanks for coming on, man. Should be a good one. Thanks for having me on.